Amen. Amen. Mm. Uh, so I first heard Christy speak actually at your dad's service. And I couldn't even hold it together at your dad's service. And so I don't know how you did it. But when you got up and shared, I just thought, wow, she has a gift uh, to communicate, to speak life, and to speak truth. And, uh, and so when we invited them and they said, we decided Pastor Christy was going to speak, I was like, yes, this is going to be amazing. So will you help me welcome Pastor Christy to come teach the word today? And can I just say that your shoe game is strong, all right? She came strong with the shoes today. Those are awesome. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. You've got to walk in the airports. You've got to be practical and fashionable. Thank you very much. But we're just so grateful to be here, and we love you guys. And I can remember just throughout the years, just coming to this building, we've had so much history here, so many youth conferences, so many services, and just experiencing the presence of God. So strong. Same God back then, same God today. And also a privilege has been getting to know you guys as the pastor's family. You know, we get to see Pastor Aaron once a month, so it's a treat to see the whole family when we're here. And during those once a month pastor meetings, usually it was our dad who would take the tribe and he would be the driver, the taxi driver, to pick up the different pastors who were coming. And so we would get to fellowship and talk to Pastor Aaron on the drive. But this last pastor's meeting, the other month, it was since Pastor Sid went, got promoted, we all got promoted. So somebody else had to be the taxi driver to pick up Pastor Aaron and Pastor G.F. Watkins. And this was a, we were told this was the big wig and it was an important job. And they asked, okay, so you're going to pick us up? Okay, great. And I said, yeah, sure, we can do it. By we, I mean them. <laughs> because you have to understand, if you getting to know us, um, one of the things that you might not know about me is, I don't know how, if any of you struggle with maybe fears or phobias or things in particular you have sort of anxiety about. Well, minds, I know we can overcome all things through Christ who gives us strength, but one of my weaknesses happens to be driving. <laughs> and not that I'm a crazy Asian lady driver, but I mean, for some reason, I can drive and I do drive, thank you very much. But when I do have to drive other people to important things, I kind of get a little bit nervous. And so I was like, okay, it's okay. They can, somebody else in my family can do the driving. But then an emergency happened. They were all unavailable. So Pastor Bethany, she texts me one hour before we had to pick them up. And she said, heads up, you're going to have to pick them up. And you're going to have to not only pick them up, you're going to have to take them out to get some food. And you're going to have to take them to the meeting location and arrive alive. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, great. Yeah, sure, I can do it. Literally, you guys don't even understand if you don't have a phobia. But if you have a phobia, you have to have like an hour of prep. Worship music. Thank you, Jesus. I can do this. We can arrive alive. And so as I did that, we're, I picked them up at the airport, have my little GPS and trying to be like all the nice host and everything. And of course, my face is all like sweaty and I'm kind of talking fast. And I can tell as I'm driving, doing my best to be a good driver, I can feel their judgment. And I knew that they knew that I was not a good driver. And so the whole time I was like, no, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm just being available to be used by God to help these anointed people get to where they need to be. So as I'm doing that, we finally arrive at the location of the meeting. And I, I decide, I confess. I was like, I knew they were judging me. And I knew that they knew. So I might as well tell them. I said, you know, I'm sorry. Driving is not my strength. 
And they were so gracious throughout the whole meeting. They kept saying, oh, she did great. When my family came to the meeting, they were like, oh, she did great. But that was the equivalent of what Pastor Dollar calls bless your heart. That was like, I know your heart, you poor dear, but God bless you. Anyway, but you know, we're all called to a ministry that when God says, heads up, it's you, I need you. We have to step up. We have to be obedient because the body needs each and every one of our gifts. Doesn't matter if we're talented at it. If God says, heads up, it's you. We just have to be obedient. Amen. Amen. Now, but as we were praying about what, you know, to share with you, just going through this season as has been described of losing our pastor pop, my dad, has been probably one of the most challenging ever experienced as a season. But God put on my heart the title, All Good. How to see God even in tragedy, that he is good. And growing up in church, you know, you hear the famous phrase when they say, God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. good. And we had a missionary friend in Hong Kong. And he would tell us that in Hong Kong, that phrase, God is good, all the time, all the time, God is good, doesn't really work there. Because not all the time things are good. There's persecution and the church really struggles. So what they do instead is they say, Jesus is Lord all the time, all the time, Jesus is Lord. And just thinking about, but I was like, all the time, God is good, all good. God, you are good. It's true. That's Bible. God is good. So we're going to take a look at what does goodness really mean. Now we're going to use 1 Samuel 4 through 7. Yes, those are full chapters. This is Kauai Bible Church, right? We were Grace Bible Church. So we're going to do a miracle and fly by four chapters of Scripture to get this story of this battle at Ebenezer. So I'm, just, I'm not going to read it, but I'm just going to give you the summary. You can read it on your own. But this is where Israel, they as a nation, were being bullied by the Philistines in chapter 4. And it says that Israel was at war with the Philistines, and the Israel army was camped near this place called Ebenezer. Ebenezer, and the Philistines were camped at this place called Aphek. It was parallel places. And during this time, the Philistines had killed 4,000 people, soldiers in Israel. And it says that the Israelites, they were just like, okay, they were getting nervous, and they said, you know what? What we need is the ark. We need to get the presence of God. That is our secret weapon. So they said, that's what we're going to do. So the Hophni and Phinehas, the priest's sons at that time, they decide to get the ark. They bring it, and they're excited. And they said, yes, the presence of God, the very furniture, the sacred furniture where God's presence dwells is going to be with us. And then when the Philistines saw the ark, they got, oh, my goodness, we need to fight. We got freaked out a little bit, but they fought even harder. And you know what happened? When the ark was there, 30,000 Israelites were slaughtered. So it was a defeat. 4,000, then a greater defeat, 30,000, even with the ark. And it said that Hophni and Phinehas, the high priest's sons, were killed. When the news came to the high priest, Eli, it says that when he heard the news that Israel was defeated and the ark was captured and his sons died, he fell back and he broke his neck and he died. And at that same time, when the news came to his daughter-in-law, Phineas, his son's wife, she was pregnant. She heard the news and she bore down and gave birth to a son. And you know what she named her son? Ichabod. Not Ichabod Crane, for all you Disney fans, but Ichabod, which means the glory of the Lord has departed. The glory of the Lord has departed. 
when Eli fell, it wasn't so much the news that Israel lost. It wasn't even the news that his sons were killed. But when he heard that the ark of God was taken, the glory of Israel was taken, he fell back. And that's something that really impacted him. And the daughter, she said, the glory of the Lord has departed. Moving on to chapter 5. Now, when the Philistines, they took the ark as their prize, their trophy. And it was like, our God is bigger and better than your God. They put it in the temple of their God, Dagon. And what happened was, when the ark was in the pagan god, Dagon's temple, the next day, what happened? They found that the idol fell on its face before the ark. And they were like, oh, that's weird. They put the statue back up. The next day, go back, boom, fell on the ground. This time the head got cut off, the hands and feet cut off, and it was only the torso of the idol on the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the Philistines, who were kind of smart, they said, you know what? The God of Israel, the God who delivered the Israelites from Egypt, this mighty God is against us now. Ooh, there's power there. Maybe we should return the ark. So what they did was, okay, how are we going to do that? And not only did they see this idol fall down, but a plague broke out among their people. Plague of what they called hemorrhoids, not what, kind of what we know, but tumors. And so that broke out as a plague among the people. And so this really convinced them, we got to return the ark. It's like hot potato. Get rid of this bad luck charm. So they said, okay, we're going to do it. So then further on we read, they put it on this ox cart. And they said, if you know the Israelite God is real, we're not even going to direct these two oxen that are going to, they put it on a cart so they didn't touch it, this bad luck charm, the ark on the cart. They said, if these oxen go to the place, the city where Israel is, without anybody leading them, these cows have never gone there before, if they do that, then we know that God is real and he's forgiven us and we'll be okay. So they watch the oxen go, and they go to the right city, and then all the people of Israel, they see it, they look up, oh, they celebrate, yes, the ark has returned. The Israelites, phew, that must have been a God sign, we're fine, so they go back. So after that, it comes to a point where these people in this town where the ark came, they were irreverent, and they peeked into the ark, and, they, and God smote 70 of them. And they got nervous, oh my goodness, it's dealing with this glory of the Lord. People don't know how to handle and so they, they, God was like, they were nervous, so they just kept it there. And they told this other city in Israel, you guys come get this ark. And so this, this one town was said, okay, so they brought it over, and it stayed in this one town in this one man's house for 20 years. Did nothing for 20 years. And then they called the prophet Samuel after 20 years, and they said, pray to the Lord God for us. And Samuel said, you know what? Everyone repent. Everyone turned back to the Lord. They had, they poured out offerings. They, they continued to seek the Lord, seek the Lord. And then this is when the Philistines were up in battle again against Israel. And then when they saw that the Philistines were gathering for battle, they said, Samuel, pray all the harder for us. Pray. And Samuel decided to make an offering, a lamb sacrifice, offer that up as a trespass offering to the Lord. And as he did that, he prayed. And then the Philistines, when it was time for that battle, as the offering went up, the Philistines arrived in Israel, but the Lord spoke with a mighty voice of thunder from heaven that day. And the Philistines were thrown into such a confusion that Israel defeated them. And the men of Israel chased them as far as Mizpah, as far as Bethkar, slaughtering them along the way. And here's our key scripture. 1 Samuel 7, verse 12. Then Samuel took a rock and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he called it Ebenezer, which means rock of help and said until now the lord has helped us until now throughout this whole time throughout what seemed like defeat after defeat after defeat the lord has been our help 
And it says that God brought about a great deliverance. Not only did Israel defeat the Philistines for good. They didn't have any problems with the Philistines after that. Every single territory that the Philistines took before was restored. And God blessed Israel. And that whole story brings us to this idea that, you know, when things go wrong, when tragedy hits, when it seems like we're praying and we're believing with faith and we're doing everything we're supposed to do, we're faithful, God. Aren't you supposed to be faithful too? That God still says, yes, I am. I'm still good. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good. For those who love God, for those who have the called according to his purpose. That God sees the big picture. He wasn't just after the people of Israel at that generation time. He was after the 20 years later generation. He was after these cities. He wasn't just after the Israelite to know that he was God, that he had all the power. He wanted the surrounding nations to see that this is the God who gives victory to his people, that he protects his people, that he restores, and he is good to those who follow and who love him. This is the story that we find ourselves Throughout all the defeats and trials, remembering that God uses all to bring divine help, transformation, and final triumph. For ourselves, going through this situation with our dad as a family, it was really an Ichabod situation. It says in Proverbs 17, verse 6, that the glory of children is their father. And if you know our family, he wasn't just a father in our natural family. He was our spiritual father. He was the one who taught us how to study the Bible. He was the one who taught us in the ways of God how to do ministry, how to pray for people in the hospitals who were sick. I can't even remember how many times we visited people. Prayed, some got healed and some got promoted to heaven. And he would always say that God always answers prayer and he always brings healing. Sometimes it's in this life. Sometimes it's in eternity. We get our healing in heaven. And he would teach us and tweak our perspective. And during this whole time... When we, as a family, what happened was, the story was that we all got COVID as a family. We all share. We live together, so we all share. And we got sick. Some had to go to the hospital. And dad stayed sick. We all eventually recovered. But dad stayed sick and got sicker. He was in the hospital for over 50 days, in the ICU for over 40, intubated on full life support during that time. And it was a time where I got real serious PTSD when it came to phone calls. Because how the ICU works is every day the doctors were required to call the family and give an update on their loved one. And so we would, you know, go throughout their day, try to, like, you know, function, go to work, do what we had to do. But then it was always waiting for the, what is, if it's that phone call? What did the doctor say? Did, did he, what's, is he getting better? Did he wake up? Did he get worse? What was it? And we would, we pulled, I tell you, when you grow up, you know, knowing the scriptures, you grow up praying, you know how to do the right spiritual things. We pulled out all the stops. We fasted. We declared every scripture and healing promise. We, 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 whenever we could, we just, even in the snotty, sweaty, crying ness of it all, we just praised the Lord every single day. Made it a point as a family to come together and just worship God. No instruments, because we couldn't play instruments that well in that state of mind. It was just whatever songs were in our heart. Old hymns came back and just declaring, you are great, Lord. You are great. We praise you in all circumstances. You know, declaring those scripture songs. And when we would hear the reports, you know, in faith, declaring, communicating with different ones. Pray for Pastor Sid. Pray for Pastor Sid. 
And then we'd get the message, you know, maybe it was, oh, he, his oxygen got reduced, so he doesn't need as much oxygen today. But then the next day, it got double as worse, or something would happen. It was this constant up, down, up, down. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, man, no, through Jesus, help. Help, thank you, Jesus. Oh, no, Jesus, help. And it was those, all those numbers, and it was, okay, he's doing okay. So, oh, he got an infection. Oh, his, his different things were going wrong. Oh, that's another infection. Oh, we think something, we prayed and got healed, but then got, something else went wrong. And it was a constant, like, just, it was agony. And it wasn't just for me because I was, I'm, I tend to be more of a faith person. You know, it'll work out. God's got it. We just don't think about it. it. It'll be fine. Just keep eyes on Jesus. But what really broke my heart was seeing how it broke my family's heart. And I said, you know, as a child, when your father is sick in that state, it's one thing. But when it's your spouse, I've known my father for over 30 years. But when you've been married to him for even beyond that, you know, living every single day together, going through the good and the bad times together, you know, it's, it was just, and I would see my mom when she would pray. And I would see her just lie on the place where he's, his place was the couch in the house. And he would just lie there, you know, and watch TV or whatever. That was his place. Just lie there claiming all the scriptures, praying, and her heart just broken. And, you know, words in the Bible like supplication to beg God, I never really fully understood until I was in this situation, personally. You know it up here, but not in here. And just going through that time and that crushing period of just saying, God, I know you're good. God, I know you're good, and I know you work all things together for good. I clung to every single one of those scriptures. And seeing God through it all, and when it finally happened, you know, praying, 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 and then finally it says, okay, he's going. And in that moment, just throughout that whole time, even though it was turmoil, just the peace and the grace of God through every single day. Grace for that day. We can get through that day. We went as a family. We were able to, you know, God worked different things out, different miracles along the way where we got to see him while he was in a coma. But we got to see him once as a family before he finally, you know, officially flatlined, and just that moment of knowing, and being so, no anger, no cursing God or anything, but just being grateful at the goodness of God reflected over a lifetime, and just valuing life, and I said, that's the wonder of how God created humans, is that no matter how much time you have with someone, when you love them, it's never enough, no matter how much time, it's never enough, and that's what we have eternity for, and to trust that God's plan and his hope is that we can one day see God, see our loved ones again. And just coming out of that with such a, an excitement for eternity, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. When we, and I realized that my dad didn't die on September 27th, 2021. He died when he was 18 years old, 50 years ago, when he gave his life to Jesus. He died to himself every single day, and he lived for God. And that's what true goodness and life really is. Because what is goodness? Goodness is like, if you are movie fans, The Incredibles. There's this one scene of The Incredibles, a superhero family, and they have a friend named Lucius or Frozone. And it's at the end of the movie where everyone, all the superheroes need to come together, and he's looking for his super suit because he needs it. And he's been in retirement for a while, but he needs his super suit. So he's asking his wife, Honey, where's my super suit? And she's like, I put it away. And he goes, but I need it. It's for the greater good. Get my super suit. And she says, the greater good? I'm your wife. I'm the greatest good you're ever going to get. <laughs> and so when we're saying, you know, God is good. Not things are always good, but God 
is good. And if you get God in your circumstance, you've got all the good you need. Now let's look at what good really means. In Hebrew, the word for good is tov. Say tov. Tov means anything that is life-giving. And we know that God is the ultimate life giver. So anything that comes from God is tov. It is good. The opposite of tov is ra. Say ra. Ra means evil. And evil means anything that takes away or diminishes life. So when we say sin is evil, why is sin evil? It's because it takes away relationship from the life giver and it eventually causes death. So things like sickness, something that diminishes life is evil. Death is evil. We're not to love and embrace death. That's not of God. That happened because of sin. But we can look to a God of life. And that even in death, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And you can find life even in the darkest and the shadow of death situations. And to, as long as it's being connected to God. So God uses seasons of darkness, seasons of trial, seasons of sickness, seasons of even depression, pressure to build our relationship with him. That we might know him in the fellowship of suffering. It's all about relationship. It's all about our heart. And during this time when, you know, we're going through difficulties, whatever it might be, to remember that Jesus is Lord. God is good. And as long as we're tied into him, it'll be good. He'll work it all out some way, somehow, for his glory and for our good. And when we as a church, you know, we were calling people to fast. And we would have these prayer meetings and we were we called it our battle series we were battling you know we wrestled not against flesh and blood but every principality and we were praying and fasting and we said it's a battle and we were saying you know we're going to get the victory because Jesus gave us the victory and we were claiming all these scriptures yeah and then we had to tell them that pastor Sid passed away and I and then God spoke to our hearts that you know what in the battle we did win because what was what are we battling in this life and God reminded me that the battle began in heaven with Lucifer and what was the battle in heaven? It was on worship. And in this whole time that as pastor was sick, we never once stopped worshiping God. We never once said, God is not real. God does not exist. God is not good. We said, no, God is always good. And no matter what happens, whether he heals or whether he promotes, God will always be good. And he will be our Lord. And we will follow him no matter what. So we won that battle because we kept our worship like Job Though you slay me still, I will trust you. That is the battle. And we can always have the victory. Now we're going to go into our points to take away. And number one, we know that God is good. And the scripture, Psalm 1968, it says, you are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. Psalm 16, verse 2, it says, my goodness is nothing apart from you. So we have to know that. Number one, when we're looking at any type of life situation, where's God? Because he's good. And not only is God the source of whatever we need, if we need provision in tough times, if we need healing for, for whatever sickness it might be, that God is the source. So always remember, he is the source. Number two, God's design is good. That God, when he created creation, just look at Genesis 1. In the beginning, he created light. He created the sun, moon, stars, the animals. He created the sea creatures. Beautiful. And he called it what? Good. He created you and I, and he called us very good. Ooh. So God created you 
good. It's a good design and a good purpose that you have all you need to do what he's called you to do. God's design is good. Number three. I'm sorry. Let's go Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not only did he create us as good. Look at your neighbor and say, you good. You good. You're very good. Some of you are very good. And he created us good, but he created us for a good work that he prepared beforehand that we might do them. So this good that he created for us is part of our purpose. We were created to do good. We were created to be an extension of the goodness of God with our works. And it's an ordinary type of goodness. It's an everyday goodness. It's doing good. Now, we... As a family, we like to go to Disney World, and we've been going since maybe the first time was when I was 15 years old. So we try to, as a family, as often as possible, go on vacation to Disney World because we're a family of five, and to do a hotel, you'd have to get two rooms. But in Disney World, you can get a house, and it was just an economical thing. We figured out how to do it, so we would just that would be the default place to go, and we enjoyed it. And while we were there, one of our favorite things to do was eat at this place. They closed because of COVID, but it was a buffet place called Sweet Tomatoes. It was our favorite place. Soup, salad, bread, everything. It was awesome. Uh, frozen yogurt it was the bomb and we would always go there and when we would go there every year or so whenever we went on vacation we would see this one waiter and we met him his name was diamond and he was a young man and he was probably the most outstanding server he was a buster he would clean the tables and he would always say thank you very much it was a pleasure serving you do you need anything constantly attentive going here there everywhere and we would watch him when he first met him and we said you know god is his hand is upon this young man he has such a good spirit to serve. And so we gave him a generous tip God put in our heart. And ever since then, we've had relationship. Our dad, he's a text guy, you know. He would send him texts of encouragement. And the next year, we would see him again. Hey, Diamond, how are you doing? Hey, Diamond, you're going to church. Hey, Diamond, whatever. And we'd learn his story little by little over the years. And a few trips ago, we, as it was just my father, my mother, and myself who went to Disney World and we went to Sweet Tomatoes. We saw Diamond again. And he, we were like, oh, hey, how's it going? And he told us, you know, just randomly, it was a slow night, and he opened up and he said, you know, he doesn't, we said, you're still planning on working here for a while, you know? And he said, he wants to make a transition out of the busing um, business. And he said, what it was on his heart was to open an orphanage or a foster system in, to be a foster parent. Because he said his history was he grew up in a, the foster system as a young man, and he saw the abuse, especially for the young men. And so he said his heart was to become a foster parent. And he had this whole scheme. He said, I want to do something in our land or I want to eradicate homelessness. And he was just dreaming big and his heart and his, his burden. And we were just so inspired. And the Holy Spirit spoke to myself to give him a $100 tip and to see it into his vision for that foster system. And then my mom, at the same time, I didn't know this, but God put on her heart to give him $100 as well. So when he came to give us our bill, we said, Diamond, we want to give you something. And then we put it in his hand. And then we're like, oh, you got one too. Here. And then he said, oh, no, I couldn't take it. And we said, no, it's not for you. It's for your dream that God put on your heart. And he said, you know what? This week, you know, he's recently been going to church now, praise the Lord. And his pastor was teaching on giving that week. And they were having a building project. And he was just saying, you know, trust God and that God will be faithful. Prove him that he will be faithful. As you sow, he will sow back to you. And for some reason, his pastor used the 10 times more number. And he said, God will bless you 10 times more. And he said, you know what? He was struggling. He only had $20 in his wallet that day. But he felt, you know, I want to be obedient. 
And so he gave the $20. And that week we came to Sweet Tomatoes, saw him, and seeded into him 10 times what he sowed in. And that totally spoke to him. And he said, you know, God is good. Testimony, fast forward a year later, he sends a Christmas picture of him and his three foster kids. And you know, ordinary goodness, just going and being that extension of the Holy Spirit, which brings us to our next point. Our ministry is goodness, yes. And that we are as priests of the Lord in 1 Peter 2, 9 says that we can show others the goodness of God. Not our own goodness, but the goodness of God. Next, it says that it's in partnership. Goodness is in partnership. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. And it's not just us, oh, I'm just going to, you know, give a little goodness here, give a little goodness there. It's hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying and partnering with the Holy Spirit to bring goodness to people. That's where the fruit comes. It's a partnership. We don't have to do it ourselves. And lastly, good is our ultimate goal. You know, when we hear Bible stories and it says, you know, what's the commendation we long to hear? Well done, my and faithful servant. To be conformed to the goodness and the very heart and character of God is what we live for and what we were created to do and to be.